Let's pray together. So God, what we want to ask of you is that you give us more and more opportunities to practice what we preach. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm going to utter a sentence that I never thought I would say in a million years, especially as a child of the 1970s and 80s when certain kinds of people were constantly portrayed as the bad guys. I never thought I'd say this, but I'm going to go ahead and say it out loud. I now have a few friends from Iran. They are gentle and kind and encouraging. And now, and I've, I get that they may not represent the entire country of Iran, but then again, I was taught as a child that like all Russians were bad and all Iranians were bad, and all other kinds of groups were bad, and also, uh, then again, I've also come to learn that any stereotype can be pretty quickly dismantled by the actions of just a few people. I'm going to say that again, because that's kind of the point. Any stereotype you can think can be dismantled almost immediately by the actions of just a few individuals. And that's where we come in. If you're wondering what I'm really talking about here, because that's a sermon illustration. And you know, sermon illustrations are always illustrating something else. So I'll just go ahead and say this out loud too. I'm illustrating something else. And you know what group I'm illustrating? Christians. I'm talking about our calling. We may only be a few individuals in the grand scheme of our entire world, but our family here in this place, this little outpost of the kingdom of heaven, is and will continue to be a place where it will be impossible to stereotype all Christians according to our inherited negatives. And that's a tall order, especially in kind of religious landscape where we live today. But this is our calling. We are called to be the kind of family church that takes all of those stereotypes and says, but those stereotypes, what you think about all Christians that doesn't apply to this group that I met yesterday. I, I can just picture a daughter going to her parents and saying, I met a boy. Now, don't get upset, but he's a Christian. Oh, didn't we raise you better than that? But you've got to meet him. Just, just... Bear with me, just let me come, bring him over, and I want you to meet him. And the parents are still kind of going crazy. Well, where does he go to church? Well, he goes to Bering Drive 
Church of Christ. Oh! I don't know, maybe that's not that far off. Especially those of you who were Christians back in the 50s, 60s, 70s. You experienced something that your younger Christian loved ones may have never experienced. And it all applies to all of these kinds of things and these stereotypes. What you experienced that your younger loved ones may have never experienced is Hebrews 10.25. You know that verse? You may not know it by book, chapter, and verse, but you'll know it when you hear it. The verse was used to guilt you to coming to church every Sunday. The King James Version of the Bible gave us the slogan. If you know it, you can say it with me. Do not forsake the assembly. (laughs) Yes, it goes more. Really, I wrote this down. Hebrews 10.25, in all of its original English, from the 1611 publication of the King James Version of the Bible, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another in so much more as ye see the day approaching. I think the original intent of not forsaking the assembly is more like missing a meal. You can, but it's not good for you. And it's not that any one particular assembly of the people of God, you know, it doesn't rise or fall all on that one assembly, but over time, those meals nurture us, they feed us, they shape us, sometimes they give us things that we don't even realize we need. I think that rewriting the way that we've used that verse in the past may be a way to rewrite messages that we tell ourselves about why this kind of thing that we're doing today is so important in the way that it shapes us, why assembling together is so crucial, especially, like I said, the world we live in today, it's that much more important that we not forsake the assembly, not because of the assembly itself, but because of what we talk about here and what we practice here. And there's the big difference. We think sometimes that assembling means what we talk about. Well, here's an idea that we consider. What if this is the place where we come and we can practice things like mercy and compassion and forgiveness? What if the daughter goes to her parents and says, look, you've got to meet this guy, but let me tell you why I love him. It's because he has gone to this church for years and years, and he is the most forgiving and compassionate person I've ever met. And that's why you're going to love him. See how that suddenly shifts? conversation. Our meeting together, the assembly, is the place we gather with those who have entered the gateway. It's the place where we build each other up. What we're going to face into the future of Jesus' people is a greater diversity of the way people look, think, act. And can you imagine 
a room filled with Iranians and Russians and Nigerians and Texans. All in the same place with different backgrounds, approaches to time, understandings of just about everything, but who all share the gateway to abundant life through baptism in Jesus. Because here we are at the assembly, and for this moment, what we are about to do is gather around a table together. And I've said this before, and I'm going to say it again. To gather around a table that is the great equalizer. In a moment, when we take the Lord's Supper together, no one has the upper hand. We all come to this table in need of the same thing. And if you can't think of a good reason for assembling together week after week after week, here's your reason. We all come week after week in need of the same salvation because this table invites us to stand eventually side by side with every human being on the planet who one day will confess Jesus is Lord. Every person on the planet, according to our scriptures. You know that passage, right? You know about your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Who's God. Didn't consider equality with God. You know that one? And you know how it culminates? You know how the, that song crescendos? Every knee will bow, every tongue confess. So this, what we're about to do right now, is a foreshadow of glory divine. It's a foreshadow of things to come. Where what we're about to practice right now gives us just a glimpse, but it does give us a glimpse of what we'll eventually see. We're going to see this one day. Where Everybody, we join with every single person on the planet, past, present, and future, at this table. And quite frankly, I hope it happens during my lifetime. I really want to see it. I, I, I would love to see that just about more than anything else in the whole wide world. But the best news of the day is that we get to gather around this table right now and already catch a glimpse of that very thing. Amen.